Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 16th of May. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, markets, and startups. I'm Nadine Blaney. Who are you? I'm David Scott. Nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Well, it's only me two years. It was two years for Friday for me. Really? Uh, exciting. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm glad you finally recognize who I am. Congrats. Scotty, how was your day today? Uh, it was a decent enough Monday. Uh, yeah. Uh, the market uh, had a decent enough performance as well. But uh, yeah, still a few question marks about the uh, the fragility of these market gains we're seeing at the moment. Uh, we just mentioned before we come on in here, Bitcoin's copying it again. So uh, mm-hmm. obviously that's a pretty good sentiment driver when it comes to retail flows at least. Yeah, I, you know, because earlier this morning we were talking about Bitcoin being up above the 30,000 level again. It's off about 5% at, as we record this podcast. Now we know that you listen at a different time, so things may have changed. I will note that the Hang Seng just as we're recording this podcast, has moved into positive territory. It really was that data from China that knocked sentiment about, put a lot of pressure on the Aussie dollar. In fact, fell to a two-year low right now. It's trading at about 69 US cents. So it was data. It was retail sales. It was the unemployment rate. It's not shocking considering China and some of the major cities there are in lockdown. But I do note that it was accompanied by... Uh, Shanghai officials saying that they're looking to slowly, gradually reopen and hopefully get back to quote-unquote normal by the 1st of June. Mm. I think everyone knows my thoughts on whether that's likely to go in place given the evidence we've seen other places in the world. But uh, that's what it is for the time being, so we've got to go and play with it. I think another one of the other factors there wasn't just the uh, the punch from the uh, from the other uh, weak data, but also that there was no easing coming through to the MLF mm-hmm. rates, the medium-term lending facility rates from the PBOC in China. And that, that caught a few people disappointed as well. So a bit of a sucker punch, one-two. and I uh, just took a bit of the wind out of those early gains. Yeah, it's interesting because... It's like the market's just baked in the fact that we're going to get more stimulus coming from China. Absolutely. Um, so we have, yeah, the Nikkei paired its gains today. We saw U.S. futures turning lower, the U.S. dollar holding near those 20-year highs. And we also saw some pressure coming through in oil. So again, tracing back to that demand destruction story out of China, also out of the U.S. Um, it's a big week in terms of, I guess, expectations for a hawkish Fed You know, we do have a number, a lot of Fed speakers. I mean, Williams, I think, is tonight. Chris Weston from Pepperstone was saying he's really interested in hearing what he's got to say. Excuse me. Um, Jerome Powell is speaking this week. So there's lots of fodder for the market to hang its hat on because, of course, it is the macro 
it's the macro that's driving things. Investors need to take note. Yeah, what's going on out there in the macro universe is, uh, is an important uh, piece of the puzzle. I'm really interested to see how it's going to go and resolve the U.S. consumer sentiment readings. Just dire. Now, no matter which one you look at, they're so poor, so weak, and it's concerning because in the past, when we've seen these movements, it's generally gone and corresponded with a downturn in the not-too-distant future. But this time, we've got households <laughs> just cashed up uh, in aggregate terms and still spending up pretty big so it's uh how it re- resolves itself is going to be one of those key factors that probably determine what happens with interest rates and economic growth later this year yeah we get retail spending um data today uh, or sorry this week out of the u.s i just find it really interesting the whole psychology behind consumer confidence because like you said a lot of people are cashed up uh house prices are high so you've got that wealth effect um you've got an unemployment rate in the states you know lower than it's been and still people are not feeling good. And that is so interesting, but also crucial to how things will play out in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think the political side of the equation might have a factor in what's going on in the States. It's like such a divided nation. Uh, yeah. And I think that's definitely contributing to what's going on at the I moment. I think as well, it's, it's post-pandemic. Like, we don't know how we've all been impacted by a couple of years of, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty bad news, really. Uh, on all fronts. I know. Oh, geez. I, I can't wait to get home and lock my door and then not go out for the next week. Uh, geez, I know which one I'd prefer to be doing right now, but each to their own. Uh, peasants out there, cheer up. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Scotty. Scotty doing his little uh, cheerleading for you. Um, look, today in terms of companies, let's just get that under our belts. Brambles, private equity is sniffing around. No official proposal on the table, but enough to get sh- investors excited up by about 11%. Uh, Brevera Solutions did well today. Cube did well today. A bit more detail coming through on its off-market buyback, which was successfully completed, $400 million. And zero, still up by about half of 1%. Interesting, we've still got the brokers weighing in. And we did have zero, its price target cut. Um, UBS saying that the valuation still looks stretched despite the sell-off that came in the wake of its FY 2022 results. So, yeah, he still does see um, UBS, the analyst, uh, favorable structural tailwinds for zero, but, yeah, just not liking that lack of cash flow. So cut the target price by 20% to $70. That's an interesting one that I missed yeah, earlier Mr. today. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Market died. Tends to disagree. I think it was up another 5% or so Yeah, today. it was. Up to $88.06. So we will see who ends up being right on that front. Um, Goodman Group was out with a bit of an update today. It was positive early in the session. Uh, it came under pressure as the day moved on. And by the end of it all, was off just a marginal tenth of a percent. But it was the stock of the day. And Kashi spoke with David Novak from Wealthwise Education and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. <laughs> So it ticks a lot of boxes. The, the, the chart doesn't look great. You know, I'm, I'm a chartist as well as a fundam- I follow the fundamentals, but the chart you can see there looks pretty horrible. Uh, it fell off a cliff. So look, I could see a, bit of a, a little bit of a technical bounce here, but there's, look, there's no rush for me. I would not be rushing in to buy Goodman, but if you're taking a longer term perspective, I can't see any problems to uh, accumulate down here. But um, for me, it's uh, it's not a buy; it's a hold if you've got it, mm. um, and particularly given that update this morning. You know, I think it looks really terrific. Um, love the fact that David thinks the chart looks terrible from a technical point of view, because that means you could be buying it cheaper. 
Um, but I don't think it's all that cheap at the moment, but it's certainly uh, getting pretty close to being uh, in bargain stages. So uh, yeah. uh, I would yeah. say, uh, you know, if you can get it on a couple of days when there's negative sentiment and you get it in perhaps starting with an 18 instead of a 19, you'd probably be very happy indeed. Yeah, so they like the company, like the narrative, but basically yeah, it doesn't stack up in terms of price. And uh, David Novak likes his charts and said it's not a good-looking chart, so that will not be put to our investment committee. Yeah, rolling over. And uh, I think best-in-classes are pretty much almost unilaterally across the other uh, community that we're going to speak mm-hmm. to here at Ausbiz, but everything has a price. And uh, right now, the momentum is in one direction, and it's uh, coming from a very, very elevated level, so not surprising. We had a couple of good conversations today about the commodities complex and importantly about value emerging in some of these commodity names. Peter O'Connor, um, great chat with him. He's he's looking at gold. Mm. Thinks that the value there is extraordinary right now, in fact, yeah. for some of these Aussie listed. Well, you look at uh, the, particularly the Aussie dollar denominated and where Aussie dollar gold is trading at, uh, I can see why. I think a lot of people are looking at where the backwardated curve is and going, well, that's where a gold price is going to settle in the future. But as we've seen with so many of these commodities recently, uh, we keep rolling along and these prices keep rolling along at pretty elevated levels. And uh, this expectation we're going to see a decline, well, it's not really happening in, in many markets. Yeah. Um, so listen for Peter's view on iron ore. And then we spoke with Matthew Hodge from Morningstar a little bit earlier on. And He's actually surprised that the iron ore price hasn't come off more in recent weeks. So you can listen into those interviews via the show notes. And also, I chatted with Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital about how to dodge small cap downgrades. And he noted and discusses two big ones today. First, integrated research down by 16% after putting out a market update. But you can't look past step one, down by 55.2%. That's painful, Scuddy, Mm. for investors that bought in perhaps at the IPO. But it just sounds like the going is tough. Like It says that the Aussie market is performing well, but gaining a foothold in the States, proving very exy. And, of course, its costs are rising as well, and it's put through price increases, but that's not even increasing its margins at this time. And look, uh, concentrated in men's underwear. And I dare say that uh, men aren't particularly picky when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a tough marketplace to go and differentiate yourself. Uh, I think so. Maybe they're discovering that now. It was born into public life during that era of stimmy. Everyone's like, no, sitting at home watching all the... And stay at home, not going out and shopping. Yeah. Yeah, it says that its w- sure sales of its women's range have slowed as well. Oh, there we go. So, uh, yeah. The, so, uh, tough times. Maybe we're, not, maybe we're not exercising as heavily now, so I don't have to worry about the chafe, you know. I don't know. I don't want to think about chafe anyways. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a silly, pro- that's a silly uh, no, point, point of difference to, uh, to others. Okay. Well, anyways, I obviously didn't know. <laughs> obviously, you haven't been watching get, enough TV. Yeah, as invested in the step one story <laughs> as some others. But, yeah, Luke kind of goes on to say what you need to do even if you're not an investor, is look at some of the commentary about the spending on advertising and marketing, et cetera, and then pull out you know, those lessons and apply it to any other companies in that space. So e-commerce retailers that you may have in your portfolio, look critically at one to help you perhaps make some decisions about others. And the same goes for, anyways, I won't tell you the whole interview, but um, step one was a was, you know, real negative performer today as well 
Now, other than that, Scotty, I mean, yes, we could talk wages. Yes, we could talk jobs here in Australia, but we're going to be doing lots of that in the coming days. Um, election. We had a housing policy uh, released by the coalition yesterday. And, yeah, we had a few lively debates about it on air today. Yeah, particularly, um, particularly around the, the point, of, is it actually uh, designed to go and make housing more affordable mm-hmm. or is it designed to go and improve election chances and re-election chances? And that's unfortunately where the debate sort of got down to in this country. And what do you think? I think it's the latter. They're trying mm-hmm. to go, this is about to go and try and keep uh, property prices propped up for the vast majority of Australians who either own their home outright or uh, have it uh, under a mortgage. But of course, that's a still revout of what the prevailing market conditions are. It's 100% about that. Um, I don't like the idea of throwing very marginal uh, buyers into a marketplace that's been so hot for such a long period of time at the start of an interest rate tightening oh, cycle. Yeah. Uh, I have some grave concerns Using about that. Using their retirement savings correct and there's there's lots of different things like no the taxation treatment no you're going from one one way it's treated uh, in situation to another if you've got the primary residence it doesn't get uh, accounted for in your uh, your primary assets for income tests and the like so there's lots of no it's you can argue it's about tax minimization as well but yeah, the, the, the crew thing is, and we've had this discussion with so many people, it all comes back to the tax treatment of housing. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do something seriously about trying to go and make housing more affordable, then we had to take away some of those Phillips to get in there in the first place. Absolutely. And so uh, you can listen to a couple of interviews we did. One with the Housing Industry Association, which is very supportive of any move, it says, to get people into houses, particularly first home buyers so that's one side and then we spoke with Sol S. Lake who's an independent economist and he did again put forward ideas that he says would actually in practicality you know do something for uh, first home buyers to get into what is an unaffordable market but the will in this country is just not there but you know you can go on Twitter yourself there's lots of chatter about whether this is the sign of a desperate government um, trying to stay in power as well I just think every party had to come to the election with some sort of housing policy yeah that's just so non-original yeah. uh, and yeah I, I made the point of view today that one of the biggest hindrances in this country, not just in housing policy, but in a variety of different areas of our life, is that there's three levels of government when probably there should be only two, given our population base. And just trying to go and get anything organised through this in a relatively short election cycle, just doesn't happen, unfortunately. Well, okay, let's keep our chins up as we head towards Saturday. Yay! Um, Look, we had Macquarie trading ex-dividend. But look, it's a disappointing day. It would have been nicer if we we were stronger. You know, we kept some of that momentum out of the gates because, of course, we did have such a positive uh, day on Friday in the United States. I note that the Russell 2000 was up by more than 3%. Uh, on Friday, today, the Emerging Companies Index just finishing in positive territory. The small ords up by four-tenths of a percent here. Uh, with the S&P ASX 200 up by twenty, uh, sorry, a quarter of one percent to 7,093. Boy, I feel like I've been talking all day, Scuddy. Well, let's just wrap it up then. Have a great day. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you on Brighton early tomorrow morning. See ya.